What I want to do right now is I'm actually going to do all of the introductions right now so that when the preaching starts, we don't interrupt the preaching. It's just going to flow. Anthony and Jessica are going to start. They're going to hand the mic to Dr. Sharon. She's going to hand the mic to Jen, and you guys are just going to preach up a storm. So uh, that's, that's the expectation. So let's do some introductions. First, let me introduce Anthony and Jessica Rozier from Argentina. <laughs> We have a close friendship with Anthony and Jessica because we were both sent out from City Harvest Church. Pastor Bob sent them to Argentina, and he sent us here to Kauai. Um, and, and so we have known them for years. I've been to Argentina. I've ministered with them. And uh, they went to Argentina 17 years ago. And as church planters, they have planted three churches, and they're now about six months away from planting their fourth church and through those four churches, they're currently discipling almost 1,000 people. So God is doing great things in Argentina. Welcome, you guys. I want to introduce Dr. Sharon. And uh, many of you know her because she was a family doctor here on Kauai. And God called her to the nations. And, and she tried to do both for a while. And when that got to be too much... She resigned her practice and gave herself completely to the nations. Uh, her heart, uh, her work has centered in Indonesia, but her heart has been for closed nations, nations where Christians and or Americans aren't really welcome. And, and she has gone and, uh, and ministered to people who hate her and turned their hearts to love. I was weeping yesterday as she was sharing stories of hatred turned to love. And uh, so welcome, Dr. Sharon. And then we've got Jungle Jen. Welcome, Jungle Jen. Recently became Jennifer Jenkins. Yeah. Well done, John. Well done. So... Uh, Jennifer, at the age of 28 years old, went to the Amazon in Brazil and, uh, and has now been ministering to the Amazon for 13 years. I won't tell you how old she is. You'll just have to do the math. But uh, uh, for 13 years now, she has been planting churches amongst the indigenous people along the Amazon River and has an amazing model of it's not the, the white savior complex. She goes and raises up indigenous pastors. And every church she plants, she plants plants with an indigenous pastor along the Amazon River, and um, she has uh, dug 16 wells. Every well is fresh water that saves lives in a village, and every well comes with a church. And so today, we're going to work on digging well number 17. That's going to be our passion today. So welcome to Jen. Thank you guys so much for being here. And so again, we're just going to let this flow from one to the next to the next. And we're going to let the word of God open our hearts today. Amen? Amen. Anthony and Jessica, come on up. Let's do this. Good morning, good morning. Buenos dias. Como están todos? Que hermoso día. I haven't preached in English in quite a while, so we'll give this a shot. Well, thank you so much uh, for this wonderful weekend, Pastors Aaron and Shannon. What a, what a blessing just to spend time with you all again. Love, uh, love our friendship, and so what a blessing. What a blessing to have good friends and just to see what the Lord is doing and just to continue to 
stay committed to the call and uh, continue to grow in what the Lord is doing. And thank you, uh, uh, Kauai Bible Church, for uh, bringing us over, long way over from Argentina to be able to spend time with y'all and, and to be able to minister. And, and uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Sharon and Jungle Jen. Thank you for uh, uh, sharing all of what's going on in your lives. What a blessing. So, uh, wow, we are expecting to see what God is going to do here through Kauai Bible Church. Talking with Aaron that uh, there's about five people that have actually gone on foreign soil to do uh, some form of Christian service here at Kauai Bible Church. So, you know, I, you're kind of getting the point uh, that, that I kind of like to, to, to have some goals. I'm kind of a goal-oriented guy. I just kind of need to do that or something. And, and so, like, you know, a, a, a million new believers, 300,000 leaders, 3,000 churches in the next 21 years, something like that. It just, it just helps me to stay focused, okay? And, uh, and so, uh, we, I was just, you know, having fun. With that, and I believe in the next 21 years, you guys are going to have at least 230 uh, people that are going to go into some form of Christian service on foreign soil. At least 230 people. So that's more than the members here. So that means you're going to have a lot more members, and you're going to have to support a lot of different types of projects, and a lot of you are going to have to get going. So... That's going to be fun. I want to share a verse with you, and just the title of what I put into this message is Give You and Get Him. Philippians 3, 7 to 8 says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Give you, get him. And after graduating from high school, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with my life. And somehow I ended up in Argentina doing youth with a mission. And I, uh, I, that's where I actually learned Spanish. And I, I, I actually returned home, and I didn't have any real inclination that I was going to be a missionary or that I had to be in Argentina. And so I had actually, in the States, I had already started doing some pilot training. My dad was a professional pilot for Delta for, for 25 years. And so I kind of thought that that was going to be a nice career, you know. It wasn't, we didn't have a bad deal growing up with a pilot dad. It was pretty good. And, uh, and so I was like, that could, that could be a, a nice deal. And I, I, I like flying. Flying's fun. And so... I was like, man, this could, this could be a good deal. But something was stirring in my heart. And, and so I was, you know, wrestling with this in, in, in my heart and prayer. And, uh, you know, my dad's a Christian, so I was, you know, talking through this with him. And I really felt the Lord put it on my heart. He says, you know what? You've really got to give me 
everything that you are, all that you have, and uh, you have to offer it to me to serve me. You have to give all that you are, all that you have to me to be able to really gain in this life. And I said, well, what does that look like? I, 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 I like flying, you know, and, and these sorts of things. And so I started to do some investigating, and I realized there were opportunities to do missionary aviation. And so I started going down that path, and just in the area where we were at in the northwest, there was a, a program through Multnomah University, and so I went for that. And, um, and during that process, that was great, and actually finished that. Um, missionary mechanic, uh, aviation mechanic, got my pilot's licenses, finished my Bible degree, and uh, with honors, by the way, uh, and uh, <laughs> and I uh, and, and I didn't do anything with it, but uh, <laughs> but in that process, I. I started serving, obviously I was serving, serving in my church, but I started serving in small groups, in our house churches. And something really, really special happened when I started connecting one-on-one with people. After receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there has not been anything more powerful before nor after any other experiences in my walk with Jesus Christ than when I am connecting with one person or a small group of people, helping them to connect with Jesus Christ or grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. When I am intentionally making disciples. I mean, I have gone... I've gone to different places. I've had the opportunity to go to churches and do prophetic ministry. Not the same thing. I've been at uh, a pastor's conference. I've spoke to over 1,600 pastors. Cool, but not the same thing. There's just not the same hymn with you. It's just not the same thing. I've been, I ministered at uh, different congregations of thousands of uh, members. Not the same thing. Uh, I've seen different uh, uh, we've been at evangelistic crusades where I've seen just God move to to bring people to Christ and where uh, he's even, I've seen God just stop different attacks of the enemy that's been trying to frustrate what God wants to do in those places. And, and it's been cool, but there is nothing that compares to the presence of Jesus in our walk with the Lord when we are intentionally making disciples. I'm telling you, folks, there's nothing that compares. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we are making disciples, we get the presence of Jesus like nothing else. The Bible says this, obviously, and we're just gonna uh, we're just gonna get to the point. Obviously, there's so much more we could talk about in this verse. It's so uh, it, it's so important. We know this. We've we, we've said this verse over the weekend in Matthew 28. But we're just gonna go right to the highlights here. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, and surely I am with you always. So. We just have to go and we have to make disciples. When we go and make disciples, he is with us. Friends, we just have to 
do this. We have to. We can, we can have parties. We can have fun. We can do so many great things, you know, but we're just not going to get the presence of God like we will. I, I, I'm playing with my phone for a couple of reasons, but yeah, I really love this song that we were all singing and raising our hands to. Come and consume God all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. That was so awesome that we were all singing that song. And we really need to do that. There's something really awesome that I believe can happen here at Kauai Bible Church. And I ask permission for Aaron, from Aaron, and I just think you guys are spot on. I believe you guys are positioned to be able to achieve things far beyond what you could ask or imagine. Hmm. Right now, you're about to uh, have 12 of your first graduates through the masterpiece process. You're making disciples. You can put any title, you know, but it's a great title. This really is a great title, Aaron. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Twelve people. But if the same people are the only ones that only do that, in the next 10 years, you will only have 120 disciples. If nobody else steps it up, and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get beyond a little bit of, of my self-centeredness. I'm, I'm going to get beyond. Yeah, I'm sure there's nobody like this. This, this only happens in Argentina. There, you know, I'm sure you know, I, can, I can talk to this you know, like this to you guys because you're so much more mature. But, you know, but in Argentina, we have an issue with the maturity. And so, um, so you know, sometimes I have to bring these type of things up. But, uh, but you know, sometimes now in Argentina, you know, there's just, you know, sometimes they, ha- they have to get over their self-centeredness and they have to get over the denial of that fact. Sometimes they have to get over that, the issues that they're battling with what the church should be. And they really need to focus on who they should be in Christ. Sometimes they need to get over the battles of what they think church should be and start being who they should be in Christ. And if that would happen, instead of just 120 disciples in the next 10 years, Kauai Bible Church, you could be making over 236, 196,000 disciples. That means you would be transforming Kauai, uh, all of the islands in Hawaii, and how many different nations around the world. I'm telling you, this is totally possible. We're just talking about 20% growth we're talking about just every person just doing their part every person just making two disciples a year two disciples a year two disciples a year apostle paul said and god says it through the apostle paul that would get into every one of our hearts. For to me, living means living for Christ. God bless you guys. I was praying last night about you guys. I was like, God, give me a word. And so he gave me a dream last night. And I dreamt that. 
um, it's a palm tree uh, going through a, um, a storm and moving and moving. And as soon as that um, storm was going, the roots make a turn around the a rock underneath. And it was amazing to see this roots like growing and, and going around the, 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 the rock. And then the storm stopped. And baby, baby, um, baby palm trees start to, you know, show up. And I was like, God, what, what this dream means about. And so in the dream, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. So I was like, that is a verse from the Bible. So I go through it. <laughs> and it was, it is Psalm 90, 92. I can't see it right. Is that right? 93, 12 through the 15. And so it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the course of our God. They will still bear fruits in all age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no witness in him. So we believe that you guys are going to flourish in the name of Jesus Christ. Could you put your hands up and let's pray. Lord God, right now we pray over Kuwai Bible Church. Lord God, we pray that they are going to be strong in the Bible. They're going to be strong in missions. They're going to be strong in their calling. Lord God, we go back to our calling right now. Lord God, I don't know what you have for each people here in this room right now, but right now we pray in the name of Jesus. Each one of us, we have a calling from you. Each one of us, we have a calling to reproduce ourselves in somebody else. Lord God, please make a way be in front of us right now, Lord God. Make a way for this church. Make a way, Lord God, right now for them to go through and to see what you have for them, Lord God. Now we pray in Jesus' name that you are going to give them strength. They're going to flourish. In Jesus' name, they're going to uh, proclaim the Lord is upright and you are their rock. Lord God, it doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter where are we are living. It matters your calling in our heart so right now we open our heart and lord god lead us lead us to this calling and the end i mean our time is not an end yet we are here in this world and we want to accomplish your calling in our life. We surrender our heart to you. We surrender our life to you. We surrender our degrees. We surrender our family to you like you did with your son. Lord God, bless this church and move. they can move forward for the next step in their life here at Kuwai Bible Church. Thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Aaron and Shannon and the whole leadership here. Bless them, Lord God, and they can move forward for the next step in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
That is going to be a challenge for our Lord, but he is big enough because you guys ask for and imagine a lot. And we're, and we're going to see more than what you've asked for come out of this church because our God is so faithful and he is so good. I was thinking, Lord, what can I share? Because we, we have to talk really fast because we don't have much time this morning. And the Lord said, slow down and tell these people that not only does he see you as noble people, but he challenges you to be noble people. That's how our God is. You know, he says we're righteous, but then he challenges us to be righteous. If you have your Bible or you can look behind me on the screen at uh, Isaiah 32, 8. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. Verses like that make you think, hey, I could write a verse, right? Just use <laughs> noble. It, it sounds so aristocratic, darling. You are a part of the nobility. And in a way, we are, because, you know, our father is the king of kings. But on the other hand, noble also means excellent, mobera, supreme, which is kind of hilarious when you read Acts, um, because later the uh, Apostle Paul says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they were so eager to hear the scripture. And then they went home and they studied to make sure everything Paul said matched up with God's word. And in pidgin, that would mean you more better than better. More, 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 better, better, better. Yeah, I don't know. But when the Lord looks at Kauai Bible Church, he says, I want you to be outstanding. I love how this verse starts with but. Because, you know, in English, we're taught you're not supposed to start one sentence with but, right? <laughs> but. And why it starts with but is because he's contrasting the rest of this chapter. And in the rest of this chapter, he's talking about, up until now, he's talking about the fools. And what are fools? Fools speak folly. Uh, duh. Scoundrels. Scoundrels are what? They do wicked things. What kind of wicked things do they do? When they see the hungry, they leave them empty. When they see the thirsty, they leave them thirsty. When they see the poor, they actually devise bad plans against them. These are the wicked people that we are being contrasted against. But after this, he talks about the complacent. Oh, my goodness. Us Hawaii people, we like for hang back, yeah. Oh, no make shame. No be the nail that sticks out. No be crazy. But the Lord says, no, he wants us to be crazy noble people. That we want to be those who are not complacent. We want to be the noble who make noble plans. Intentionally praying. Intentionally studying. Intentionally preparing. That's what the noble do. And why do they do that? So that they might have the opportunity to do noble deeds. And when you think of it, noble means good. And when you think of good, you th I always think of a story that Jesus told about the good Samaritan. There were three people, especially that the Lord was speaking about, and the last one that was beat up, right? So the boss-up guy is lying on the side of the road. He looks dead, actually. So when the priest walks by, it says the priest saw him and then got away as far as he could 
because he didn't want to get involved in that. The Levite saw the same thing, saw the man injured on the side of the road, went and ran away. Same thing. Didn't just pass him by. No, that wasn't enough. Had to cross over and run away from him. But the Samaritan, when he saw the bus-up guy on the side of the road, like Jesus, says that he was moved with pity. And Jesus, when he saw, he was always moved with compassion. He didn't just see and then like nothing. Says that he was moved deep within when he saw. The noble make intentional plans. They pray. They become mature people. And what is a mature person? If you're a parent, you're the mature one. That means that Christmas doesn't come around so slowly every year. In fact, it comes really fast. Because when you're the parent, you're the one giving the gifts. Right? When you're the mature one, you're the one that's able to reproduce. You're the one that's able to be the blessing. And the noble person prepares to be the blessing. And when the Lord looks at Kauai Bible Church, he says, they are noble people in the midst of wicked scoundrels, complacent fools, and they're going to rise up, and when they see the need, they're going to respond. There's a final exam. I went to so much school, and probably, Lord willing, I'll be taking Arabic classes next summer. Kind of hard, you know, when you're old for a study, this kind of like wiggly worm kind language. But anyways, I'll be doing that. Um, I have been in so much school, you can't even imagine. Two bachelor's degrees, then my doctorate degree, and then been studying languages since. Final exam. My mom was a teacher. I love when she was a teacher because if she was teaching the grade that I was in, she had the book with the answer key. Uh-huh. Woo! Jackpot! <laughs> Let me give you the key. Let me give you the test answer. Jesus said, on that day, I'm going to say, hey, when I was in need, you helped me. And because of that, you come on in. You come on in. And everybody's going to be like, what you mean? I don't remember, because if I had met you, Jesus, on earth, I think I would have remembered. And he said, when you were naked, uh, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you came and you visited me. When I was in prison, you took care of me. When I was a foreigner, you brought me in. That's the final exam. Those are the ones that get let in. Those are the ones with faith that acts with deeds. Those are the ones with true faith. So I told a story yesterday about Sitabundo, or a place in Indonesia. Indonesia, the, uh, by population, the largest Muslim nation in the world. If you took all the nation's populations from the Middle East and you combined it, it would still be fewer people than what's in Indonesia. About 80% of them are Muslim. And we went to the region where churches were burned and pastors were killed. We went to the village where my mama, my Indonesian mama's friend actually was burned alive in the, in the church. Um, and that was the place where they told us no non-Muslim has ever stepped. That's where we passed out the Samaritan Purse Operation Christmas boxes. That's the place where I stepped everywhere I could in the village, claiming it for the Lord. After we left, 147 other Islamic boarding schools contacted us and said, can you please come and do the same? 
but we couldn't. We couldn't because we didn't have the resources to reach all of them. We had traveled four hours to get there, four hours to get back. About two years later, we did not know, but we went to a Haggai Institute-sponsored event, and at that time, there were testimonies given. My mama gave the testimony of what we saw at Sidabundo, where that man stood up and said, they lied to us, they lied to us, they said you all hated us, but now we see it's not true, you Christians are not like what they said. And the pastor that spoke after my mama said, we never met before, but I'm a pastor from that area, and what she said is true. Since that time, I've baptized 14 people, and they're attending my church. Wow. Who knew? No one knew. But they were people in need, and we stopped, and we saw them, and we helped them. The Lord says that your noble deeds will stand. And why is that? Because we are the light of the world. Remember singing this wet all white of mine. I'm gonna wet it shine. But it's not a little light. It's the light of the world. And the Lord said in uh, the verse after that, that when we do those good deeds, others will glorify our Father. Those are what make our light shine. And we have such an opportunity today to shine in places that we've never gone, Argentina. I can't imagine a thousand churches, and yet I can. And I think, Lord, do more, do more. I think of the Amazon, I think of India. You know, this bride who said, I don't need gifts, let's do wells. And this stubborn, beautiful woman who said, I don't like do wells, but I guess I know my choice. <laughs> and 14 wells later, 16 wells all together, and looking for doing more. Why? Because when we do these good deeds, they are noble deeds that stand. They glorify our Father. And I love what Pastor has asked, and that is that we think and we pray about what we want to give that we make noble plans, and in that way we become noble people. I have no doubt that my father, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who is wealthy beyond belief, who is the one who is ruler of the heavens and the earth, could, in a I dream of genie, twinkle of an eye, provide all that we need. But he wants us to look more like him. He wants us to become noble as he is and to realize that we are part of the nobility. And our, we are not orphans. Our Father in heaven knows what we need even before we ask. And when he asks, he is so ready. When we ask, he is so ready to provide. He is not begging. I am not begging. Pastor is not begging. None of us are begging. But we are saying that it's true what Anthony said. Make room if you want more of Jesus in your heart. Give up more of the space that you've been occupying. I was thinking, should I torture you with another song? Maybe not, but I'll tell you that the <laughs> you're very brave. 
Let me just, uh, the chorus. Here am I, Lord, all of me, wanting nothing less than all of you. It's this recognition that more than I want more of Jesus, Jesus wants to be more to me. But first, there's stuff that's got to get out of the way. Pastor Anthony was so um, polite. That word trash or garbage is scubula, which actually means a four-letter word that we shouldn't say in church, but I'll say it anywhere. It means poop. So, you know, all that Paul thought was worthwhile was nothing compared to getting more of Jesus. And that's what the Father wants to give us today. Make room for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Make room for more of Jesus in your lives. I'm so glad that it was prefaced by the two before me or three before me that God loves crazy. Okay? Because you're getting ready to see some crazy up here for the next 12 minutes. So what I need you to do is I need you to join me in the crazy and go ahead and stand up. Oh, boy, it's going to get loud up in here. All right, on the count of three, what I need you to do is I need you to give me your very best power pose. Now, what's a power pose? Okay, how many of you have ever seen a superhero? I mean, not in real life, like on TV. Okay, you see the superhero, yes? Okay, every superhero has a power pose. Superman! Wonder Woman, right? Every superhero has a power pose. So what I need you to do on the count of three, you're going to give me your very best power pose, and you're going to hold it for 30 seconds. I have my timer. Then I'm going to say switch, and you're going to give me another power pose. Now go ahead, get some space. You're going to need some room. All right? I promise this is not just for my entertainment, though I will take a picture. <laughs> Are you ready to give me your very best power pose? On your mark. One, two, three. Power! I need to see really, really big power. I need you. Well, you could smile while you do it. Just keep giving Yeah, Give me that good power. Yes, I'm seeing some power up in here. Okay, now what I need you to do is switch. Another power pose. Girl, you're big. You're strong. You're really, really, really superhero. Hold it for three, two. How did you feel? Do it again. Yes. Yes. One more time. How'd you feel? Yeah, you feel alive. You feel good, powerful. That's good. You see where I'm going with this. Studies have actually proved that if you hold a power pose for just two minutes, 120 seconds, you will not only feel more powerful, you will look more powerful as well. So the next time you've got a big interview, a meeting, a one-on-one -on -one with your kids, go into the bathroom and shut the door. Shut the door. And then hold that power pose. And then when you come out, you'll be like walking on water. Woo! But why? 
Why is it that if you hold a power pose for just 120 seconds, you will not only look but feel more powerful as well? If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. This is good. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me read it again. But you, everybody say me. Right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Everybody say me. Me. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I did go to a lot of schooling, um, but I have a feeling Dr. Sharon retained a lot more than I did. (laughs) Got too busy doing power poses. (laughs) I did not do well in geography. It's amazing that I'm a missionary in foreign countries and don't get lost. But I don't really think the whole Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria thing is really what he wants us to go to and point to on a map. Praise Jesus. What he's saying here is you, me, will be my witnesses on Kauai, in Hawaii, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when Holy Spirit comes on you, guess what? You don't have to do it. Holy Spirit will do it in and through you. So I'm a missionary and have been for the last 13 years in the jungles of the Amazon of Brazil. And while I was there in the jungle one day, a little girl came up to me, and she asked me a very simple question. She said, will you come eat lunch with us? Now, how many of you like to eat lunch? Good, I'm just looking to see who I'm going to have lunch with, that's all. (laughs) I love to eat. And she said, will you come eat lunch with us? And I started to reply to her and say yes. But as I did, she did something really strange. She went, (laughs) and then she took off running for her house. I thought, well, that was weird. So I went and I got Nico, my pet monkey. Yep, where is he at? Nico! Nico eats all my meals with me. So I grabbed Nico, I threw him up on my shoulder. I took off running after the little girl. We went down the jungle path to her house. I came in the back door and I sat down on the ground. It's where we eat our meals. And as I sat there, all of a sudden, nine pairs of eyes were staring at me. And I went, oh, no. I'm the guest of honor. Now, you might think, oh, congratulations, Jen. That's wonderful. Oh, no. No, no. No, no. I knew the tribal delicacy. And sure enough, at that moment, that little girl's mom came from around the corner, and she had a platter. I'm talking a platter. And on that platter was the head of that turtle. Yes, the delicacy of the Mayuruna tribe. She sat that platter down so proudly before me. 
Nico, the pet monkey, he looked down at the platter, he looked up at me, looked down again and ran out the back door. Take me with you. But you cannot offend. So I prayed the famous missionary mealtime prayer. Lord, I'll get it down if you keep it down. Please be faithful. I looked over at my little friend and I said, I have never had such an honor before in my life. I just don't even know where to begin. She rolled her eyes at me like I should know what to do in this situation and goes, duh, eat out the eyeballs. <gasps> she proceeded to teach me how to pluck the eyeballs out of that turtle head, which I did and I got him down. He kept him down. That was a two-part miracle. I then looked back at her, because I didn't know what to do, and she rolled her eyes again, picked up the head, slammed it on the ground, broke it open, and said, now eat out the brains. I mean, duh, of course, that's what I was supposed to do. So I got those down. He kept them down. And then the tongue, and then the rest of the head. Now, why am I telling you this stupid story? <laughs> because in the last 13 years, this has had one of the greatest impacts on me from anything else because of what happened after that meal. The mama took me off to the side, and she said, Missionary, I want to tell you why you were our guest of honor today. She said, you probably don't know this, but my little girl over there, after every Bible class that you have, she brings home that little Bible you gave her, and she sits down, all of her brothers and sisters, and she teaches them everything you taught her. Then she said words I will never forget. Our home now has light. She said, where there used to be so much chaos and fighting, now we have peace. Where there used to be so much division and yelling, now we have joy because of your Jesus. And for just a moment, I realized that just a little bit of light can make a really big difference. Now, how many of you remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story? Let me tell you what had gone on earlier that morning. That morning, I was on my face before the Lord, crying and complaining, I can't do this, it's too hard. It was so dark out there. I was the only Christian in this tribe. It was so difficult. The, the soil had been so hard. I thought I wasn't making a difference at all. Be careful when you complain to God. He might send you to lunch. I have never complained again. <laughs> Not about that. And the Holy Spirit took me that afternoon to some powerful scriptures. If you turn with me or look up on the screen in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. Everybody say, Me. See the theme here? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 
You are the light of the world. I was reading that afternoon after the lunch. I'm the light of the world. This is cool. The world's a really big place. I can go, oh, hold up, time, time out. I'm the light of the world? Okay, first of all, that's a big responsibility. And second of all, do you guys remember who else said that he was the light of the world? You're in church. Just say Jesus. It's usually the right answer. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, you can put it up on the screen. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then I remembered in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light. And I thought, wait a second. Hmm. How many of you believe that Jesus is the light of the world? Okay. How many of you believe that God is light? Okay. How many of you are Jesus? How many of you are God? So wait a second, we have a big problem here because Jesus tells us to be the light of the world, but I'm not Jesus, I'm not God, I've got darkness in me, I know it. And so I'm telling Holy Spirit this, and he says, go to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Wow. Why aren't you guys getting excited? Because this is awesome. Because it means that if Jesus is the light of the world and God is light and I'm created in his image, you're created in his image, what does that make us? Light, you've got it. The very DNA of God himself is inside of us. And even if you're this, back when I was, this single little white female in the middle of the jungle of the Amazon of Brazil among a bunch of darkness, guess what? A little bit of light can make a really big difference. How many of you have ever gotten up in the middle of the night and stubbed your toe on the way to the bathroom? A little bit of light would have made a big difference, right? A little bit of light. I had a little boy show up at my door at my Bible study one day, and we have this program for kids in the Amazon. And if they come to every single class and finish an entire course with me, along with their classmates, at the end, they get to go to a prize box. Now, have any of you ever used the bribery, I mean prize box? system. It's very effective. Now, in our prize box, we have brand new shorts and brand new shirts. And you might be thinking, that's eh, cool, whatever. You got Walmart. They don't. And you have to understand, they have between 5 and 13 kids in every home. So can you imagine what a hand-me-down, down, down, down looks like by the time it gets to you? So getting to get these shorts or shirts is a really big deal for these kids. So they come to these classes, they diligently study so that they can go to the prize box at the end of the course. And on this one occasion, I had three students who were going to get to go to the prize box. They had finished the whole course, and they were ready. They go over to the prize box, and I'm proud of all my students. I really am. But on this day, I was especially proud because little Jose was getting to go to the prize box. Little Jose had a severe learning disability. 
But with the most persistency, after he had received Jesus into his life, little Jose came to every single class and finished the course. He even read out loud on the last day. He ran over to the prize box and he picked out for himself a brand new pair of shorts. He was so proud, he went around and showed them off to every single person in the room, including myself, like I had never seen them before. Look at my shorts, look at my shorts, look at my shorts, look at my And then he took his shorts and he rolled them up, he put them under his arm, and he went home with the biggest smile on his face. For the very first time, that little guy had earned something of his own. For the very first time, he actually owned something of his own. Well, later that night, it was dark outside, and I heard a little knock at my door. I went to the door, and I opened it up, and there before me was little Jose, shorts still under his arm. <laughs> I said, hey, Jose, what's up? What's going on? He said, um, hi, missionary, hi. I said, Jose, is everything all right? He said, um, I was wondering if I could trade my shorts I said, well, of course you can trade your shorts, Jose. I've got shirts in the box. Do you want a red shirt or do you want a black shirt? He said, no, no, no. Then he took the shorts and he held them out. He said, I, I was wondering if I could trade these for a Bible. I just really want one of my own. And the tears just began to roll down my cheeks. Because the one kid who I didn't think was getting it was the one who got it the most. I promised little Jose he could keep his shorts. And that the next time I was in the city, I would get him a Bible of his own. And I held to that promise. But then soon after I gave Jose his Bible, I had to return here to the United States to fix some things with my passport. And while I was here, I told some people that story. And they said, well, you have to go back. You have to go back. You have to give the big Jose's, the little Jose's. You have to give them all Bibles for Christmas. And so that year, we packed 243 Bibles into my canoe. And off I went for Jose's tribe. Now, there was no way to let them know that I was coming but as my canoe pulled up, guess who was sitting down by the water's edge? It was little Jose. And guess what he was reading? That little Bible I had given him a few months prior. He looked up and he saw me. You would have thought he saw a ghost. I don't think he ever thought he'd see me again. And he, he said, missionary, missionary, I'm finished with this one. I'm ready for the next one. Little Jose went on to be healed in the name of Jesus of all of his learning disabilities. Little Jose went on to lead his own Bible study and to become one of the leaders in our church. I'm here to tell you folks, a little bit of light makes a really big difference. You are the light of the world. And there are people who only your light can reach. It's wonderful that we do a pledge drive. We support the missionaries and we pray for the missionaries. But let me tell you, don't let it stop there. Because the very DNA of God himself resides within you. And there are people waiting to hear 
from you. I remember before I left for the mission field, someone asked me, what would you attempt to do if you knew you would not fail? What would you attempt to do if you knew you would not fail? Let your light start right there. Thank you for giving just enough time for me to get a hold of myself after that story. Amen. Um, let me invite the worship team to come back up, and let me just share with you what we're going to do, because I find that people are more comfortable flowing in the Spirit if you know what's happening. Um, we're going to sing a song for the nations right now, and then we're going to have altar ministry time, and then we're going to do our pledge drive. So don't rush off. Don't go anywhere. Let's, let's just let the Spirit move. And, uh, and we're going to let this happen. But what an exhortation today. Anthony, last month we actually coined a phrase here at Kauai Bible Church. And that phrase was, don't be drunk on yourself. And so that's the challenge. Let's not be drunk on ourselves. Let's not be focused on ourselves. But let's just start making disciples. And you will never experience the presence of Jesus more than when you're making disciples. Come on. Let's be noble people with noble plans. Let's be intentional and purposeful about how we are spreading the gospel, advancing the kingdom, and touching the nations. And then, who is powerful? We are. Who's his witnesses? We are. Who's the light of the world? We a little bit of light makes a lot of difference. Come on, if we will grab hold of those exhortations... Our church will never be the same, and this world will never be the same. And it won't just add. It won't just multiply. It will be exponential. And we will be making hundreds of thousands of disciples out of this little church on this little island. That's the exhortation. So we're going to sing a song for the nations, and then I'm going to call you to the altars. Amen? So let's stand and let's sing. <laughs>